Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. Well, open your Bibles with me to Isaiah, the first chapter. We're not going to look at that right away, but you'll be there, so I won't have to tell you about it. But um, the title of my message this evening is Rewards of Integrity. Rewards of Integrity. How many of you like rewards? Amen. 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 I think you're going to like it a little better, even more after um, this message today. But uh, as I was praying about what to share with you, this word integrity came up in my spirit, and uh, I said, okay, Lord, let's go. So uh, what I normally do is I, I pray and uh, say, Lord, direct me, and this is what he direct me, amen? amen? Now, the word integrity is not found anywhere in the New Testament, but it is found in the Old Testament. And the Hebrew word, since we know the Old Testament is translated from the Hebrew, Hebrew this word integrity means simplicity, soundness, completeness, rendered also upright, perfection. In all places it's used, it seems to carry the meaning of, say this with me, simplicity. simplicity. Amen. If it's too complicated, it's probably not something that's going to uh, be from God. You know, um, complicated things are confusing. And the word of God is not meant to be confusing. It's meant to be easily received. Amen. So going on, the word integrity does not occur in the New Testament, but its equivalent may be seen in sincerity, truth, the pure heart, the single eye, etc. Now, the isom definition of integrity is <laughs> do the right thing with the right attitude. Amen. Do the right thing with the right attitude. Are you in Isaiah? Look at the first chapter and the 19th verse. It says, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall do what? Amen. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, willing is one thing and obedient is another thing. So you got to be willing to do what God tells you to do or God tells us to do. And you need to be, we need to be obedient to do it. So if we just do it and we're not willing, you don't get the blessing. And if we're willing and we don't do it, we don't get the blessing. We need to do both. Now, what many Christians, I believe, do, no one here, especially those of you who come on a Wednesday night, hallelujah, you church fanatics, glory to God, no one here is trying to not do right. Am I right about it? But what does happen many times with us Christians is that, especially those of us who have been saved for a while, we do right just as a habit. But since we do right as a habit, sometimes we forget to believe God for the reward, for the reward that comes from that habit. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? You've been doing right for so long, and it's a part of your character, it's a part of, of what you do, that you, it just comes a part of your life, and you said you forget to access the reward by faith. So 
In Hebrews 11.6, I'm going to just read this. You don't need to turn down unless you can turn real quick. It says in Hebrews 11.6, But without faith is it impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now that word diligently means from the their uh, uh, definition, means to seek out, search for, uh, investigate, scrutinize, seek out for oneself to crave to and to demand of God. So that means that you cannot do without him and this is a continual process. Somebody say amen. amen. So when we diligently seek God on a with a continual process, then we receive the reward. Now this reward, that word reward means, and I love this, one who pays wages. Somebody say amen. amen. God's got a paycheck <laughs> for when we do what he wants us to do. Now, God may not pay off our every Friday, but when he pays off, you better believe it'll get your attention. Has anybody had some attention-getting payoffs? Now, turn around and look at your neighbors and see some hands up. Praise God. God will get your attention when you do what he says you are supposed to do. There are rewards for operating in integrity. But Jesus, looking into the future, had a question. He says, when I come back, will there be faith in the earth? Turn to Luke the 18th chapter. Luke the 18th chapter. When you have that, say amen. amen. All right, praise God. Now, in Luke, the 18th chapter, this is traditionally called the parable of the unjust judge. Now, when I was studying and preparing for this, I see they made a correction in the Bible that I was using, and it's called the parable of the persistent widow, which I think is a better translation or better definition of this parable. In Luke 18, starting in verse 1, we see that there is this widow who needs justice. So Jesus is making a comparison between God and someone who doesn't know God and their ability to give justice just because of persistence. And since someone is just persistent, they'll get what they want. But how much more would they get what they want from God because he's good? Amen. So in Luke 18, chapter verse 1, it reads, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men are always to pray and not faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, meaning that she had been coming, and I can see this playing out in my mind. I can see this judge who didn't regard uh, men, didn't love men, didn't regard God, and he's sitting on the bench, and he's already seen this widow come one time. And here she comes again. I can see the judge, I'm just saying, oh, man, she is back. And let me just tell you some experience I've had with widows. I deal with um, uh, mature people in the business that I do. And you know, when you have a widow that is offended or thinks she's not getting something that she's supposed to get, she gonna let everybody know. 
All you need to do is stop, and she's going to tell you. She don't need to know your name. She's just going to tell you about it. And I'm sure this judge had had an earful. So I can imagine him being in court, sitting on the bench, and he sees this widow, and he said, I ain't thinking about this widow, but she's here again. And I can imagine she's standing in front of that judge, and she's pointing her finger and telling the judge, Judge, you better avenge me. And he said, oh. Let me get this woman out of my face. <laughs> Judgment for the plaintiff. Boom. <laughs> okay, going on in verse uh, 4, it says, And he would not for a while, but afterward he said un, uh, within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this will will trouble me, I will avenge her, lest by her what? Continual coming. She weary me. She make me tired. Make me not want to come to the job. The judge was at home saying, tomorrow she's going to be back again. <laughs> but he gave the proper judgment because of her persistency. But how much more will God, who loves us, who God, who gave us his son, how much more will he give us all things? How much more will God avenge us? God knows every trouble, every problem, every struggle. He sees you in your situation. He has not forgotten you. He's got you on his mind. But we have to be faithful to stand on his promises and do what's necessary with an integrity to get our reward. Somebody say amen. amen. Now going on in that eighth verse, it says, I tell you that, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth. You know, it's possible to have an account that you're not aware of. And if you have an account that you're not aware of, you cannot draw on it. It's possible to have an account that you're aware of and you choose not to access it. I had something come to me. I've had, uh, well, we have had, unexpected checks come to us and you know what I said oh I wish I knew about known about that we could have used that for so-and-so but I'm glad it came when it did amen but we have to access our war rewards by faith God is such a good God God is such a good father that he's actually waiting on his children to imitate him operate in his character, do something good so that he can lavish on us a blessing. Amen. Now, in Ephesians 5, 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, something that all children do. They imitate what they see. I remember, <laughs> I remember when uh, I have, a, a, well, I have uh, four younger brothers, one's deceased, but three living. But uh, I remember one of my younger brothers was uh, a baby. I think he was around two or three years old. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, 16, 17, something like that, 14 years older than him, something like that. I got his birthday on my phone, so I don't, I don't need to remember <laughs> it. <laughs> but anyway, we were in a store, and he had heard my grandmother say one of her favorite words. And so he chose to imitate her and say that word in the store. This was a word that I could not use. 
But this was a word that she used from time to time. This word began with an S, and she pretended that that word was six. So when he began to just hop around saying six, 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 she said, he sang six. But everybody knew he wasn't saying six because this word he spoke very clearly. So it could be very clearly distinguished that this was not six. So be careful of what you do around children because they will imitate you. <laughs> but we should be imitators of God as dear children. Many times we'll have people, we'll have situations that cause us to compromise or give us an opportunity to compromise our integrity because we will choose to, rather than sometimes follow a godly example, we will reach back into our pre-saved days and pull out a tool from our pre-saved days, pre-Jesus days, pre-blood days, and we will unleash an onslaught of vengeance on situations. Now, we can't use the devil's tools and expect to get God's blessings. Now, our flesh may get excited and feel gratified by the execution of our own vengeance, but you have just sacrificed your reward. Amen. You can't give a person a piece of your mind and then be mad because you have a mental deficit. You just gave that piece away. You chose to just, just. Now God will restore it, but don't be mad because you gave it away. That was your choice. Turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. Hallelujah. Romans, the 12th chapter, we're going to look at the 19th verse. Now here it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not who yourselves, but rather get a place on the route for it is written, Vengeance is who? Mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not uh, overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this 21st verse of Romans uh, excuse me, the 20th verse of Romans 12 has been not rightly divided all the time with the proper attitude. Now, there have been times where I have heard this preached incorrectly, not here, but I've heard it preached incorrectly because people will assume that what that scripture means is that when somebody does something to you that offends you, you will get back, with, back at them by being nice, and then you got the attitude of, oh, look at you, you old sinner, I'm going to be nice to you anyway. Hmm. And that's sort of the attitude that people will have when they wrongly divide that verse of Scripture. But if you look at the context and how it's written, and you use Jesus as your example— Jesus had plenty of opportunities to get back at people if he chose, but never did he. And if we are going to be imitators of him and operate in his character, then we should not have that attitude either. We should have an attitude of doing good so that we can show them God's character through us so that he will bring them in to him. 
So if we look at that same verse, looking from the uh, Passion Translation, it says, uh, Romans 12, verse 20, and if your enemy hungry, <laughs> buy him lunch. <laughs> Win him over with kindness, for your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Hallelujah. So, when it says in the scripture, the good thing that you do to your adversary will heap coals of fire on his head, we will need to look at it, even as I remember Minister Kurt said just uh, uh, a few days ago. I forget when it was, but you know, it was a few days. He said, we must look at scripture by according to who it's written to, the context, the time frame, and so forth. So when this was written, then nobody have a butane lighter. They didn't have matches. They didn't have a way of conveniently and easily starting fires. We like to watch, my wife and I like to watch this um, survival thing called Naked and Afraid. And one thing they are, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all like watch it too, I see, uh-huh. But one of, the, one of the things that they always have a problem with, usually, there's some individual who has practiced for this excursion that's going on, and they have been making fire, and they're boasting about their fire-making abilities, and they get to the location that they are going to be assigned, and they can't make no fire. So they eventually usually get the fire made, but when you have nothing, and you're not in modern times, Fire is a necessity, and for someone to give you fire is a blessing. So in that time when, he was, when this was written, if an individual did not have fire, did not have a means to make fire, didn't have flint and steel, or uh, they didn't have the ability to rub two sticks together to make fire, they would go to their neighbor with a container. The neighbor would put a coal of fire in the container, or they would fill the container. If they like them, they'll put the top on the container, put the container on their head, because many people carry things on their head, and they put something under there to keep it from burning their head, and then they would take that container back to their house. So that fire was a blessing, not a curse. So you're giving them a necessity for their life when you are kind to them. The necessity is for them to see Jesus through you. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to look at some individuals <coughs> who were rewarded for their integrity. That is, if we have time, we may only get to one. Return to the book of Ruth. <coughs> the book of Ruth. Now, this book is a great blessing. I always, I always like to read through it. <coughs> and just to tell you a little bit about Ruth before we get into it, Ruth was a Moabitess. Ruth was not a Jew. Her line was created by an incestuous relationship that Lot's daughter had with him uh, unbeknownst to him. And where did she learn this behavior of incest or a way of making incest possible with an individual 
unbeknownst unto them. She learned it from her environment of being in Sodom and Gomorrah. I say that to say you, we must be very careful of what our children are exposed to. The things that they learn that we are even not knowledgeable of can uh, drastically affect their future. So exposure also can cause imitation. Well, I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, I wish I had a little more time. Now, <clears throat> Ruth is not a Jew. She's a Moabitess. She's not an individual that will be kindly thought of in the realms of Judaism. But here is this man, Elimelech, Naomi, his wife, Malon and Chilion, their children. They are moving from Bethlehem, Judah, which is the house of bread, because there was a famine in the land. And they're moving to the land of Moab because they saw greater opportunity in the land of Moab. When they get to the land of Moab, Elimelech, the father, the head of the household, he died. And uh, the sons were of age, and they married to Moabitess. Um, and that was Ruth and her sister Orpah. So where we're going to pick up this story is at the time when these two sons now have also died. Ten years into their marriage to Ruth and Orpah. Now, incidentally, I just want you to just uh, keep this in the back of your mind. Elimelech's name is My God is King. Naomi, uh, not his name is, but his name means My God is King. Naomi's name means My Delight. Isn't that wonderful? He says, My God is King. And Naomi, you are my delight. Hallelujah. Jennifer, you are my delight. Hallelujah. Somebody say, ching, ching. <laughs> now, Malon's name means sick. Chilion's name means languishing, wasting away. Now, I want you to think about this as in natural terms. You got this family. They got two boys, one sick, the other one's wasting away, and then they're going to marry two pretty girls from this other country. Now, that just tells me that Eliminates had some money because there's no natural way that sick and wasting away get two fine women and they ain't got nothing. Hallelujah. So here we are. These two men have been childless all their 10 years of marriage. These two daughters-in-laws of Naomi have been childless, childless. They had a great opportunity to be bitter, a great opportunity to go back to the ways of the Moabites. They had a great opportunity to uh, be angry with God because of their situation. Have, has anybody ever taken care of somebody sick? When you take care of someone sick, it is a great draw and drain on the caretaker. It can cause the caretaker 
to lose hope themselves. And the devil likes to make people sick, and then he has a twofer for it. He's going to take out the sick one, and he's going to take out the caretaker. But this is not what happened with uh, Ruth and Orpah. Ruth's name is, um, names means friendship, and Orpah's name is Gazelle. <laughs> now, I want you to remember what Orpah's name is because I just thought of a joke when uh, I, I read that. So let's just pick this up after these two sons have deceased. So Ruth, the first chapter in the eighth verse, it reads, And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Now, this is a little side journey. How good of a mother-in-law was she that her daughters-in-laws, young women who could have been married to someone else, had taken care of her two sick sons for 10 years, chose to stay with her, take care of her, rather than go off on their own. This had to be an extraordinary, Naomi had to be an extraordinary mother-in-law. She loved them so much, and they loved her so much that they were willing to forsake all to stay with her. Now imagine this. You have to think about this. They were Moabites, these two young ladies. They did not know the ways of the Jews. They had to be taught the ways. Now, I want you to consider this. How many ladies were coming to a mother-in-law's house and submit to her authority and let her teach them anything? Most ladies, they don't even want you to be teaching them how to cook. They don't want you in the kitchen. But yes, these young ladies submitted to her, and through her loving kindness, she brought them into the family to the point that they said, you are so much better than what I came from, even if it means me being poor and destitute. I'd rather be with you. Oh, hallelujah. Naomi is a bad woman. Now, let's go on to the 14th verse in this first chapter. This is their reply to her urging them to go on uh, back to their country and marry someone else. In the 14th verse, the first chapter in the 14th verse it reads, and they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. So Orpah's going, the gazelle is going back home. Now I used to watch uh, uh, The Wild Kingdom. <laughs> and all The Wild Kingdom, they would show these herds of gazelles. And you know what the gazelles are doing when you look at them? <laughs> they jumping up. <laughs> because they are showing that we are strong. We are able to run. 
and they're showing how, uh, uh, how fit they are. So a predator is not going to go after them. And if they're not jumping, they're running. So Orpah, she just did what her name said. She jumped and ran. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> go on to the 15th uh, verse, it says, And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her God. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Hallelujah. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thy thou, while thou, where thy diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. What a confession. You know, it's hard to even compare that statement of love for a husband and wife, more or less a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law. She loves her. But ultimately, this is a picture of Jesus to us, how good he has been to us, how much he will reward us when we follow him. So going on, <clears throat> Naomi and Ruth, they get back to Bethlehem, Judah, back to the house of bread. And also, I can't pass it without saying this. When in the, in the time of trouble, you never want to leave the house of bread. It's better to struggle in the house of bread than to die in the land of Moab. Well, hallelujah. So they get back to the house of bread, <clears throat> and everyone is excited to see Naomi. Oh, girl, where you been? What happened in the land of Moab? Oh, where the rest of your family? But they were so excited to see her. Evidently, Naomi had been blessed socially. And they were an affluent family in Bethlehem, Judah. So when they get back, Ruth, who's taking care of Naomi, the first thing she does is she gets to work. And she chooses to glean in a field. It just so happens that she gleans in the field of Boaz. She didn't know who Boaz was. And it says that she worked so hard. She worked from the time she got there until the time that Boaz saw her. And I'm skipping over a lot and just paraphrasing so you can get this. But she worked. And it says that as Boaz began to speak to her, when he saw her, he said, Oh, who is this woman here? Ha, ha, ha. All right, brothers. <laughs> he said, Who is this? And he found out that it was Ruth. And he said, Oh, I heard about you and the great kindness you have shown to Naomi. So he blessed her by saying that not only can you glean in the field, don't just glean the corners of the field, which was the law at that time. If you were in need, you had the right to glean in the corners of the field. 
but not only glean in the corners of the field, we're going to let you glean among the harvest. And he told his workers, get this, throw down a little bit for her to glean. You cut it, you pick it, but let her pick it up. Now, Boaz had an eye for Ruth. Hallelujah. He was a bachelor, and he was a senior citizen, but he went blind. <laughs> so he showed her great respect and honor by showing her that he, she was on his radar. But he did it in a very kind and a very uh, discreet way. So Ruth goes home. And she has an ephah of grain. And Naomi asked her, girl, where you been gleaning? When, you, when I researched how much an ephah of grain was, it was enough to satisfy their need for grain, both Ruth and Naomi, for a month. Now imagine you going home, you got a month's worth of groceries from a man you just met. Say, ooh, girl, that's a good man. <laughs> So Naomi, making a long story short, she says, girl, I'm going to get this right for you. I'm going to set this thing up. Now, Boaz, they're going to be working hard and they're going to be at the threshing floor. You go out there after dark and don't let nobody see you. Take a bath, put on your good dress, anoint yourself, your perfume. And what you do is, when can't nobody see you, and stop posting your business on Facebook, I'm in a relationship. <laughs> Hallelujah. She said, when can't nobody see you, go and lay down at the man's feet and ask him when he, when he noticed you're there to spread his covering over you. Meaning, I am submitted to you. You are my, kin will you be my kinsman redeemer? She kept her business on the low, down low, until she knew what was going to happen. He said, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. In fact, take some more grain with you, girl. <laughs> Here's some more grain. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So Boaz didn't waste no time. The next day, Boaz said, hey, there's one that's closer in relationship to this family than me. So I'm going to catch him. And I, I like it because it, it says in King James, when he saw the man, he was at the gate waiting on him. When he saw, when he saw the man, he said, hold such a one. I bet he said, what? what what's up, bro? <laughs> and he said, uh, Naomi wants to sell her land. And uh, he said, you can redeem it. You are near kin than I. Will you redeem it? He said, yeah. Now, when you redeem it, you're going to have to get Ruth also. He said, oh, whoa, whoa, hold up. <laughs> he said, if I redeem that, if I take Ruth, I'm going to mess up my house. So <laughs> imagine, imagine, imagine somebody coming home. They already got a family and say, oh, I redeemed this land, and, and this is my next wife here too. No, he wasn't going to do that. So long story short, Boaz redeemed it. He marries Ruth. And God gave her conception. And they bore a son called Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. 
God rewarded her integrity. When, he, when she came to the threshing floor, he said, You have done me great honor, Ruth, because you didn't go after any young men, whether they were poor or they were rich. She went after the man of character who was her kinsman redeemer. God rewarded her integrity. You know, something we must do as believers is that we must stay in faith. I ain't going to get the other one tonight. The clock is running out. I want to tell you about that one too. But something we must do is we must stay in faith because we can have things that we are entitled to that we can completely miss because we have not stayed in faith and access what rightfully belongs to us. I remember once <clears throat> when we were just newly back saved, my wife and I, in our 20s. And I grew up in the church and she did too. So we weren't acting saved for this time period. Y'all don't need to know about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was believing God. We had a car that I wanted to sell. And you know what? I said that in faith and believed God for it. And a guy asked me to, uh, to buy it and was going to give me a price much higher than its value. And you know how crazy I was. It so shocked me that I, I didn't know what to do. I kept the car. It just, knocked, it just knocked me off my feet that God could bless me like that. But I'm saying that to say this. God wants to bless us all the time. But if we're not in faith, when the blessing comes, we won't recognize it. Many of you have been sowing. Many of you have been doing right. Many of you have even raised your hand and said, yes, God has blessed me on some things, but are you leaving anything behind? Are there some things that you're supposed to get rewards on that you have not received rewards on? When Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves, he said, gather up all the broken pieces. How many broken pieces might you have? that have not been gathered up. What are some of the things that you, I'm preaching to me too. What are some of the things that you have just, oh, I just do this. This is what I do. And you have not sought the reward that comes from doing that thing. See, when we miss rewards, God misses rewards for his people. The only way that God's people gets blessed is through his people being blessed. So if we miss something, not only do we miss it, the person God wants to bless misses it. It's not greed. What it is is we're missing opportunities to show God's character in someone else's life. Our integrity brings rewards, and we cannot allow those rewards to fall to the ground and rot. We must pick up all our fragments because they are a blessing to someone. Amen? Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I got some open accounts with God. <laughs> I got some accounts that I am expecting payday on. And I'm believing God for everything to be paid in full. 
In fact, I'm believing God that I'll be like it says in Ecclesiastes. I'm casting my bread on the water, and it's going to return to me on every wave. Amen. Amen. Well, the clock is ticking. So I have to say this. Be not weary, Galatians 6, 9, and well-doing. For in what due season you shall reap if you faint not. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. You know, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app. As well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially to support this ministry and what we do here in the metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.